This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Well, today I am so excited to be joined by Courtney Contos. After years of working in restaurants and cooking and 16 years of teaching cooking, Courtney realized that she would probably cook most anything, even without a recipe. But what she did not know until recently was how to nourish herself. Food is information. After suffering for 12 years with chronic debilitating rheumatoid arthritis and being told she would spend the rest of her life in a wheelchair, she reversed her symptoms and now helps people as a board certified health coach specializing in functional medicine. Welcome, Courtney. I've been so excited to interview you. Oh, I appreciate uh, this time together. And I'm really excited to share my story with your beautiful tribe and to give hope to others. You know, we're just spreading information and hope so other people can transform. So this is great time together. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things I was mentioning before we started recording is that typically, you know, a week or two ahead of interviewing certain guests, I'll reach out on social media and ask, you know, mostly women, that's mostly who follow me, what they are interested in learning from guests. And so I've kind of incorporated that into areas that I definitely want to touch upon, but, you know, when we talk about autoimmune disorders or autoimmune disease, it's important for us to kind of in the context of explaining what that is, because there may be people listening who aren't familiarized with that term and really kind of defining it and explaining that it's all about the immune system mistakenly attacking our own body. And it can be systemic, meaning, you know, thinking of things like lupus or it could be localized. I know for you, you had rheumatoid arthritis and obviously that attacks the joints, but obviously also localized and systemic because I'm sure it wasn't just one joint that was impacted. And the other really interesting thing about autoimmune disorders is that they largely impact women much more than than men at a two to one ratio. And some of the more common examples, we have talked about rheumatoid arthritis briefly, psoriasis, type one diabetes, lupus, multiple sclerosis are all examples. There are a lot of them, even celiac. Those are all terms I'm sure people have heard of. But what I think is really interesting is when I was doing my reading, cause I have had some autoimmune disorders as well, there's usually a trigger or an impetus. And so, you know, as you were kind of going through your healing journey, was there something that happened, either a big stressful event, or you got treated with antibiotics or something that had been the initial trigger for you developing an autoimmune disorder. So I'd love for you to kind of start from there, kind of talking about your story, you know, and what brought you and led you up to that initial diagnosis. Yeah, absolutely. We'll dive into that. So first of all, I should say, I feel like I have all of the above, like yes, antibiotics, yes, childhood with trauma and alcoholic parents and, you know, sure, luxurious French food in my father's restaurant and a glamorous upbringing in downtown Chicago, but yet alcoholism and not growing up in this environment where I did not know how to handle stress. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so all of this got buried. I just got goosebumps actually into my cells because it's still with us today. If we have memories from childhood, we have also those unpleasant memories and they're in our cells. So uh, trauma, and I know I've read too, a lot of times that if you have, when you're diagnosed, you can almost do a map of eight to 10 years before. Was there a trigger event around that time? Because it takes a while to really evolve and for symptoms to evolve. And for me, that was my father's death. And so it was just, I think, accumulative of those things. And then of course, you know, there were some diet choices growing up, but I think, you know, we, a lot of us had it. So then it's like, well, why me? Well, you could add on, I guess the trauma Mm -hmm. on just really deep trauma. And I just was diving into the work of Gabor Mate and his book, the stress, was it the stress lies within, or I forget that one. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, that work of just healing all that old trauma. And so for me, that was a big piece of it. I was diagnosed because I had toe pain, toe pain, like that's, you know, excruciating, like the sheet alone, just one sheet was traumatizing. Like I could not believe the amount of pain. So when you often are diagnosed with these conditions or trying to figure out what's going on in the beginning, like toe pain, or you go on a slew of like doctor's visits and you end up at the podiatrist and you're here and you're there. And then finally it comes down to the rheumatoid arthritis. So at that point, I'd never heard of it in my life. This was 
I guess I probably was around 29 years old and I had never heard of it. I started crying. I was like, am I, can I get married? Like, what's my life going to be like? And I was told that, well, there's no cure and that you're going to go on all different types of medicine to control it. And that's kind of how it started. And it was just in one toe. And then I got hit by an oil tanker, uh, jackknifed on black ice. And it came like straight at me and I thought I was going to die. And I literally screamed, not now. And what happened was two hands on the steering wheel, a foot on the brake. And after that, it just really spiraled and both my wrists auto fused and my foot now has eight midfoot fusions in it. But it's a journey. This was 12 years of intense, high tolerance to pain, lots of pain. And why can we tolerate so much pain? Does that go back to childhood? Yeah, I'm fascinated by all that because I was able to tolerate a whole childhood of trauma. So now I'm experiencing this pain and I'm able to somehow kind of try to function in life too with it. So, you know, they're deep, these journeys. And my hope is to help people find a way out a lot sooner so that they don't have all the surgeries I had that were unnecessary and to really just a life of pain. You know, the rheumatoid arthritis there, you know, you are told that there's nothing you can do And I know you've heard this a lot too, that there's no food that can help you. There's nothing, you know, and they actually told me that I would be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. So my husband and I were were there together in this appointment and it's very emotional and I really couldn't walk at that point. So I've been carried, you know, I spent like at least 10 of those years being carried. I remember my wedding day, like, am I going to be able to walk down the aisle or are these shoes going to work? Should I take them off? You know, just so much extra stress. So I hope that we can spread hope to other people that there is a way out because there is a positive end to this story. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I have to congratulate you on being a survivor. You know, I too had an alcoholic parent and, you know, that definitely formed me into the person that I am today. I always say, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I truly believe that because if you grow up as a child of a, you know, if you grew up as a child in a home where you have an alcoholic parent, usually kind of end up being one of a couple personality types. And I was the pleaser because I got good grades. I didn't get into trouble because I didn't want to disrupt, even though my parents were divorced, I didn't want to disrupt things. And I tended to gravitate towards, you know, being a little bit more quiet and introverted because, you know, there was a lot of yelling and screaming and abuse and things that went on. So I have to applaud you for surviving, you know, growing up in that environment. And obviously each one of us have our own story. But I know, you know, growing up with an alcoholic parent is very stressful and, you know, unfortunately, and it's something that I have to, as an adult, I've learned over and over again, is that when we talk about trauma, it doesn't have to be something catastrophic. It could be little micro traumas that add up over time. And if you grow up with, you know, multiple little traumatic events that occur in your childhood, they really do carry over into our adulthood until we actually face and address these things. So I just wanted to take an opportunity to acknowledge you and, to say that I'm, I'm so grateful that you are where you are because, you know, this was part of your journey. And I believe on so many levels that when we've experienced those types of traumas, when we're younger, it either makes us stronger or can really drag us down and we can end up, you know, falling into patterns that we've seen throughout our lifetime. So it sounds like you were diagnosed and, and for me being, you know, a nurse practitioner, I hear toe pain and I automatically think gout. And I'm sure you probably got misdiagnosed at least initially. Cause there, for anyone that's listening gout in the great toe, and there's lots of like, it goes back to, you know, when you first look at books where people were writing, talking about painful toes, and it's something actually called pedagra. And I saw a lot of it when I was in inner city, Baltimore, and it can be caused by a variety of things, but I'm sure you got misdiagnosed at least initially people assuming it was gout. Absolutely. It didn't fit the profile of someone with gout either. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, going into the rheumatologist office for, you know, 12 years, you and many others, most people, you go into those visits because you're in pain, you know, it's been three months, you haven't seen them, you're in pain, you're suffering, and you finally have this appointment because it's hard to get them. Mm -hmm. And you have so much hope. And 
I mean, I'm like, I could almost be like, you know, teary eyed now thinking about pushing the elevator button, like really amping up, like what questions am I going to ask? And, you know, you have so much hope and all they want to do is give you different types of medicine. They just want to change the medicine and you leave there. And I remember telling them, you know, this is just so sad. You know, it's just, there has to be, I always believed a way out. And it was just my hero's journey to go through that time and then find my own way out. But it's really sad because they don't have have an answer and you can end up, I think, feeling a little bit of anger when you do get better. But I, you know, I realized the best thing I can do is just spread love to all those people out there treating these chronic diseases. They just don't know any better. And so, and it's just, you know, that's fine. Like that's their path too. So Absolutely. And I think for anyone that's listening, you know, there's a role and a place for allopathic kind of traditional Western medicine. I always say, if you have an emergency and urgency, that's where it's, you know, it's arguably we're some of the best in the world in terms of care. We don't do a great job with chronic disease management prevention, and we sure as heck get very little to no nutrition education. So is it any wonder that when a patient comes in with a symptom, we're really looking to prescribe a medication because that's what we've been taught. And so, you know, we want to be sensitive. And I always say, like, I always want to be sensitive, but it's also speaks to the fact that we need to be thinking beyond just looking at medications. And so, you know, when we're talking about, you know, this autoimmune journey, there's usually a trigger, you know, I always find that, like I mentioned, could be a stressful situation, could be, you know, internal trauma, antibiotic therapy is a big one. I always like to share that I developed psoriasis after being treated for Lyme. So I always say, I'm grateful. I got treated for Lyme was caught early, had the classic bullseye rash. And then six months later developed psoriasis, but I never made the connection because you know, in the traditional Western medicine mindset, you know, you wouldn't expect to develop leaky gut after being treated with antibiotic therapy. So I always like to be sensitive to that, but I think it's important for people to understand there's usually a trigger and then kind of, you know, symptoms can go from mild to severe depending on the individual. And obviously for you, your symptoms were fairly significant. If you went from, you know, being walking, talking toe pain all the way to, you know, needing to be in a wheelchair, needing to be carried. So at what point during your journey, did you decide that, you know, this kind of prescription medication route and kind of the traditional way they were addressing your rheumatoid arthritis was not working for you, not serving you, or you started thinking outside the box? When did that happen? Mm-hmm. Well, during those 12 years, I never gave up hope. So I tried everything from beasting therapy. I remember going to an apiary and having this sweet man sting my wrist 10, 12 times. And I did multiple visits like that and cleaned up my water. I grew food. The only problem was that those really never fell into places because there was no framework Mm -hmm. Uh, there was no structure and there really wasn't the deep dive. So I had always been trying and had hope and it wasn't until couple beautiful things aligned at the same time, just like in that hero's journey, you know, the mentor that uh, shows up and it was my best friend from third grade, Dr. Caroline Shear from Wildwood Functional Medicine said, oh, I didn't know you were suffering so much. I can help you. I really think I can help you. So I had that call with her. And at the same time, Seamus Mullen, a wonderful chef who wrote the book, Real Food Heals, who had a similar journey, chef, rheumatoid arthritis came out on the other side. I had been trying to get in touch with him for about a year. You know, he's a tough one to get a hold of. And my spice therapist, Lior in New York City, was coming up to do an event at my cooking school. And he saw me limping and he said, oh, I have a friend. And right away I knew, I said, oh my gosh. And in 24 hours, I was on the phone with Seamus Mullen and he gave me so much hope. So now I have this hope angel, like just being able to talk to him and really like, did this really happen? Cause you've been told for 12 years, there's nothing you can do. Right. So I really wanted to just this whole time, just talk to Seamus, hear it from him. Yes, this is true. And he gave me a kind of a framework and it was the same framework that matched up with my doctor and off I went. And then I just never looked back. And within six months, my markers were starting to reverse. And within a year, and to this day, there's no rheumatoid factor anymore. And the numbers, you know, they just kept getting better and better. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep 
challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. What do you think was the significant change about your nutritional program that impacted? And obviously you're a trained chef, you know, a very successful one. I've actually had the opportunity to bring you on as a guest expert in some of my groups. So what do you think was the biggest inflammatory component or biggest, you know, food group that you were consuming that was really driving the rheumatoid arthritis and the significant degree of inflammation you were experiencing? Yeah, I think it was a double whammy. So I was using industrial seed oils Mm. constantly, canola oil. We actually, you know, thought that was a decent oil and to top it off, I was allergic to it. So I had an allergy test done and that was number one, the ELISA ALA, you know, I love that test, the ELISA test. And so that showed, you know, it changes, right? I do this test every six months to this day, but it was canola oil, honey, and lemons. Well, I'm Greek. 
And, you know, and I was a chef using canola oil and everything down to banana bread. So those, I think that was the big thing. And then you can pile on gluten. You can add onto that dairy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was using clean meats. I was doing organic. So that's not going to, I don't think really, you know, make a huge impact. You know, it was really the allergies. And when I think of health, what I learned was when you really want to dial in and start to optimize health or reverse a nagging symptom, it's nutritional deficiencies, no big deal. Easy test takes an investment that you're well worth and the nutritional deficiencies, allergies and microbes. So what's happening in your gut. So you probably need a stool test. No one had ever done that. And when my doctor said, we're going to do that, I thought, I don't have, you know, why would we do that? And that was really when I started to understand the whole connection with gut health. So you've got nutritional deficiencies, allergies, toxins, Mm -hmm. huge category. We could have a whole, you know, two hours just talking about that and microbes and stressors. So the traumas, and then you have all of the environmental inputs, you know, the light, you know, all the things that you've shared on your podcast here too, you know, wearing blue blockers, cleaning up your water. What is the breath work you're doing? Are we over breathing? So just tuning into that. And then of course, nourishment. I had a client text me this morning. I don't know what to eat for breakfast because she's not having, you know, she's got nutritional, you know, her allergies, and then she's not doing gluten. She's like, and I said, the best thing, you know, that I, that has always helped me for breakfast is a beautiful bowl of broth. You know, if you're a vegetarian, fine, but you know, I'm not. So I have a bone broth and then I add vegetables and leftover meats to it. And then, you know, Dr. Cowan's vegetable powders or for turmeric or ginger, you know, you want to make it Thai, you want to make it Mexican, you want to make it Italian, but starting your day with that broth is beautiful and energizing. So Yeah, that's kind of a big answer to your question. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I think, you know, we talk a lot on the podcast about, you know, the major inflammatory foods like gluten, grains, dairy, soy, processed sugars, alcohol. And it's not surprising that you started making those connections that when you started pulling some of these inflammatory foods out, you started to feel a whole lot better. I'm curious when you initially did the stool testing, did they find the micro Prevotella? I know that that's, yeah. And if you're using the GI map, which I talk a lot about this DNA based stool test, I know when I'm working with clients, I always tell them just because this comes up, it doesn't automatically mean that this is the microbe that is really implicated in rheumatoid arthritis. I'm curious if that was something that they found. They did find that. And in my research, I was sad and happy to learn that even in, I think, Switzerland, they actually test people for that Mm -hmm. like way ahead of time before any symptoms, like how amazing if we could do that here. So yes, I did have that and I don't have that now. And that gut test is just, is really key. And the people that I help, I always offer them the resources in the beginning, the GI map, the nutritional testing and the allergy test. If you want to make this investment, take it to the next level, discover what your red flags are ahead of time. Even if you feel great now, like we all probably have a little, you know, a few things we can tweak to just you know, be preventative, right? Absolutely. And I think it's super helpful for people to do food sensitivity testing or do allergy testing and or stool testing, micronutrient deficiencies. I've been doing a lot of work with chronometer where, you know, clients can kind of plug in their meals and it'll actually tell you, I don't know if you're familiar with Marty Kendall, but he's this amazing engineer researcher in Australia. And, you know, engineers have such a fresh take on all the medical stuff and the health and wellness. They just view it through a very unique lens. They're very data-driven, which I know sometimes I tease my husband because he's an engineer, but there is, there are a lot of advantages when you're, you know, learning things from an engineer. And so, you know, he has kind of developed this app where it can kind of map out where your nutrient deficiencies are. But I agree with you that at least once a year, you should really be looking at these studies to get a sense for, am I doing pretty well? Or do I need to clean some things up? And certainly looking at autoimmune triggers on the GI map is one way to really look at that. And it's amazing how I did read the research and prep for this interview really looking at, and I believe the work was done in Sweden. They were talking about these in the intestinal tracts. They actually can find this Prevotella and it can be a precursor to even developing symptoms. So for people who are not wanting to clean up their diets or don't really want to get on the band with the lifestyle changes, or they don't feel badly yet, or they're just disconnected from their bodies can be a really powerful tool to maybe push them towards making some changes sooner rather than later. So they can save themselves from a diagnosis. And as you said, I think most people that get 
diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, feel hopeless. By the time they get diagnosed, they've been suffering for a while. And I, in no way, shape or form, am trying to compare my skin issue with psoriasis to, you know, certainly the degree of suffering and, and your own physical journey, but we as clinicians really need to be more proactive thinking ahead as opposed to just being reactive. Mm. And so along your journey, when you, you know, finally got to a place where you were realizing that food really heals, what are for, in your estimation, what are the, some of the most healing foods you mentioned bone broth, which is definitely a favorite of mine. And I love that you made that suggestion to that client who was kind of struggling with trying to re-engineer her breakfast and was probably feeling lost if she wasn't doing gluten and dairy. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the big things that I'll just start off with when I think of these health journeys and especially nutrition is pattern interrupting mm-hmm. really need to kind of shake it up and maybe even erase what we think nourishment is and just kind of start fresh. So if breakfast to you was that, well, maybe it can be something different now. Let's just maybe get rid of the word breakfast, you know, or maybe we're fasting, but really pattern interrupting because you cannot get well in the same environment you got unwell. So, and it's, it'll be your food. It's going to be all kinds of things in your home environment that you might want to change up. So we've got to pattern interrupt and that includes even your drive to work. You know, maybe you need to take a different path. You really need to shake up your life. And sometimes people need to even move, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. that can be healing, but with nourishment, I think, you know, I always think of a varied and diverse diet. My sweet doctor and friend was like a broken record, like, oh my gosh, varied and diverse diet. So when I go to the grocery store and I teach this with my clients too, and we're talking about nourishment is look at all the beautiful produce and think, what haven't you had lately? So what haven't you had? Because if you're just buying the same broccoli and cauliflower and carrots all the time, your body is going to develop nutritional deficiencies, and it's going to be missing out on some other great opportunities to make you feel good. So look at the celery root, you know, look at the radishes. And if you're not familiar with what to do with them, people can email me. I love answering culinary questions. I always say I'm your chef friend for life. So that's fine. You know, reach out because I want people to try new foods, you know, be brave, be courageous, grab the celery root, grab the dandelion greens, even though you think they're a weed and they're gross and they should be killed. But the dandelion greens are fantastic. You know, I go out now here in New England and I pick them every other day and just throw them in the soup or in the omelet or, you know, just like you can hide them in your veggie pancakes. So having a variety and veggie pancakes is one of the first recipes that I'll share with a client because the goal is to increase your vegetables. You know, I really feel like, especially when you're wanting to repair and nourish your gut, I think about cooked vegetables, Mm -hmm. a little easier to digest and maybe more gentle on the system. And so sure that goes with stews and broths, but two, it's nice to have a veggie pancake, you know, once a week, and you can put so many different foods in there because we want to have a variety every day. And we were hoping to eat the rainbow a little bit every day. And then we're also hoping to get six to eight cups of vegetables. So I feel like the veggie pancakes, my five minute vegetable soup, And the bone broth, you know, those things can help. But with veggie pancakes, you can add eggs if you're having them. And then you throw in, you know, your dandelion greens, you know, they can be quick too. So maybe some frozen organic cauliflower, mushrooms, and then I'll think of broccoli, definitely onions, lots of sliced garlic, not pressed, but like sliced garlic. So it gets a little crispy around the edges when you're making them. And you can use the paleo flour kind of just a little bit to, you know, bring it together. And then I will make them Indian, like with garam masala or a curry powder. And you can, you can make them a little Thai with Thai chili paste. You can put an Italian seasoning so they can change. So it's a recipe that kind of evolves depending on what's happening with your mood and in your kitchen that day. But it's a great way to get a lot of vegetables and you can add turmeric into that. I definitely like to, you know, use turmeric, use ginger and get some of those power foods in there. I make, I'm a chocolate lover. I have a sweet tooth that I'm always like kind of battling with. And I've figured out a way to make some desserts that are, you know, just sweetened with one or two dates. And then I'll add spirulina. I'm like into, you know, I call it dirt because it's dirt because I don't have time to form it into truffles. So I have in this cute glass (laughs) jar, my like, you know, what would be a nice truffle if you had time Mm -hmm. to roll it, but instead I just put it all in there and I have a spoonful, but you know, you can add sneak those power ingredients into things like that, like ground flax and spirulina and turmeric. And, you know, you don't notice it's there, you know, but it's those hidden power foods tucked in. 
Well, I can tell you my mouth is now watering hearing about what sounds to be a very savory pancake. I think most of us think of pancakes and we think of like maple syrup and they're very sweet and they're probably going to spike our blood sugar. And this sounds like that's the antithesis. But I love that you are encouraging individuals to really feel empowered when they go in the grocery store, because I think it's so easy to get into a rut, you know, especially for those of us that are non-chefs. I mean, I try to pick seasonal. I try to go to the farmer's market. I try to pick seasonal things. There are definitely things my kids really gravitate towards. And summer is, you know, like a heavy summer fruit season. My kids will go through buckets of berries and they'll have tropical fruits And so it's easy to get them to eat. And we always have apples on the counter. I'm always encouraging them to, you know, grab something, you know, fairly healthy, but I think most, if not all Americans eat a lot more fruit and a lot less vegetables. And I know just from my reading that a lot of our vegetables have been engineered to be less bitter. So I think that's flavor profile when we're talking about bitter greens or maybe veggies that aren't, you know, more bland tasting people gravitate away from them because they're so used to sweet And so I agree with you that, you know, trying new things. I mean, it's funny. We had a foray into root vegetables over winter and we definitely like my family can tolerate rutabagas, but they don't like parsnips. Like parsnips were a big no. And I was so excited because, you know, my mom is Italian and I'm like 25%. I'm like a scooch Italian. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, root vegetables are a very kind of Italian thing. You roast a pan of vegetables and that's what you do with them. And my kids will tolerate Brussels sprouts. I mean, they love things like that, but parsnips got a big, no, it was like a big, like thumbs down. And so I said, it's, it was just an experiment. We don't ever have to make them again, but I agree with you trying something new, even if it's a new protein, but I do think that people need to eat more veggies, less fruit. I always love to tell the story that, you know, when I was still working in cardiology as an NP, I had a lovely vascular path. So that means he had vascular disease from his head to his toes, also diabetic. And I sent him to the diabetes educator thinking maybe she could help him kind of augment his diet. Cause I seemed to be getting nowhere with him. And he came back and he said, Oh, it was great. I learned so much. And I was like, fantastic. You're going to count carbs. Great. I said, so what did you eat yesterday? And he started to talk about his diet and it's like, not great. And then he mentions he's had six bananas. And I said, if you have a problem with fruit sugar and just in general, fruit sugar, fructose is not good for you. (laughs) So I said, if you were to tell me I had a quarter of a banana, half a banana, and I only eat that once a week, that would be one thing. But in one day you blew your carb counting for like the whole week. And so I found it really curious. And I don't know if you struggle, if you see some of your clients struggling with the same issues that they really like that sweet flavor profile, as opposed to the kind of savory, salty, bitter greens flavor profiles. Yes, it's huge. And a lot of the people I help are just like you said, stuck in a rut. They're often like moms who feel like they've kind of lost themselves and they're cooking the same thing and they just feel like blah and they want to just, you know, switch up their lifestyle a little. And, you know, I can offer inspiration, culinary inspiration all day, 24 hours. Like that's my jam. And when I think of bitter foods, well, first of all, I've got to go back to those parsnips. So next winter, Uh, Let's try adding those parsnips into a mash. So boil your rutabaga, your celery root, and a few parsnips and maybe a carrot, and then mash it all up. And the secret to making that taste good is going to be sherry vinegar, a splash of sherry vinegar. You need that acid. So when I think of cooking, I'm always balancing the flavors. So sweet, sour, salty, spicy, bitter. When you think of bitter foods, what cuts bitterness? Acid, acid cuts bitterness. So if you're cooking collard greens, kale, dandelion greens, Brussels sprouts, any of these bitter vegetables, no way. I don't want to eat them if you're just sauteing them in butter or boiling them or doing, you know, it's something simple. They need acid and they need some of those other components too. So if you saute kale in a nice, healthy fat, and then you think, well, what flavor profiles are, what is it missing? Because you've got bitter. It's like straight up bitter. So now you need salt. Great. And you need, you could use some acids. So you're going to add apple cider vinegar, maybe lemon, maybe sherry vinegar, some kind of an acid, and then maybe a few chili flakes, you know, wouldn't hurt, you know, a pinch of chili flakes or a little jalapeno has more vitamin C than like any other vegetable. So mince a little jalapeno. And then if you need to balance that sweetness still, which you can slowly wean off of, well, what if you chopped a half a date? 
and like minced it and mixed it in. So now when it hits your mouth, you're going to be like more excited. It's going to be actually delicious and it's going to like make you want more. And I taught a Thanksgiving cooking class for 12 years and there was always someone in it that's like no Brussels sprouts for me. But when we added Dijon mustard, which is our acid, we added walnuts, we added a little maple syrup. And so when you're balancing out the bitter vegetables, it helps you want to eat them more. And you can wean off the sweet you know, components. So if you're cooking Brussels sprouts, well, maybe you add a teaspoon of maple syrup and maybe eventually you don't need it, but yeah. that helps. No, and I love that. And you've got such a unique lens because of your culinary background, which there are things that you're saying. I'm like, I never thought about that. I never thought about that. But it's interesting in my house, my husband has kind of taken over cooking. I used to do the bulk of it now that you know we've been... 15, 16 months, and he hasn't done any business travel whatsoever. Being the engineer, he loves to batch cook. He finds it very therapeutic on Sunday afternoons. He'll just do a bunch of batch cooking, generally focused on proteins, but he, much like you do, he has a very specific flavor profile. So he's always experimenting. Like he will take hours and make some elaborate like Thai dish. Now it may not be appreciated by my children, but I can certainly appreciate it. So you know, one of the things I definitely want you to touch on, you know, during our conversation, and I know you did such a beautiful job with this with one of my monthly groups, you know, pantry things that can really take your food up a notch that aren't strange that you're going to be able to get a lot of use out of. Because one of the things I find is I'll dive down a rabbit hole, I'll buy an ingredient for a recipe maybe a food blogger is recommended and it's turned out beautifully, but then I don't know what to do with it. And so, you know, as we, you know, we, downsized front. We sold our house. Now we're in a rental. We're going to go into another rental before our new build is completed. And I told my husband, I said, we have been purging like crazy. Like I'm just putting free stuff out on my front steps here. And I've just said, I'm getting rid of things that we just don't use because it seems so silly. And I want to use the spices and I want to use the special salts. And, you know, one thing I talk a lot about is how much just salting my food. I grew up, you know, and as most of us did, maybe not for you, because you grew up with a culinary parent, but, you know, where like salt was bad and salt shouldn't be used and salt contributes to all these health problems. And it's like a whole new world got opened up when I started using really high quality salt and salting my food. My kids think I'm nuts, but I mean, I even travel with these little things of salt because I don't want the crappy I dye salt in the restaurant. I want my real salt. <laughs> I want the real thing. So I would love for you to kind of tangentially touch on this because I think it's helpful for people to understand, like you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours in the kitchen to have something that's healthy, lights up your palate and makes you, you know, crave continuing to eat healthy food. And really that is the kind of construct that so many of us work within is, you know, recalibrating our palate so that we are craving healthy food as opposed to the highly processed junk. That is what the standard American diet is, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it comes down to eat real foods, whole foods, and try to cook at home as much as possible. And where does that inspiration come from? And how do we carve out the time to do it? That's what I help people do. I mean, so often it's like, let's plan to plan to cook. You know, it's not even just planning to cook. you got to plan to plan to cook. A couple things coming up. One, I wanted to share this salad bar idea in the refrigerator because I think it's a really great tip is to uh, whatever day of week, you know, your husband's doing the batch cooking. I think having one day of the week, Sunday is really good. I guess mm-hmm. because you're preparing ahead of time is doing the salad bar in the fridge. So I use all glass jars. There's no plastic, but whatever you're going to use, chop up your vegetables so that you can have quick things to grab or quick things to saute. And it looks beautiful and it feels good. And it doesn't take a lot of time because you're going to do it later anyways. So just organize it. So you have everything clean and prepped. Radishes are great snacks. Carrots are great snacks. Try something different like yuca. It's one of my favorite, you know, once a week things we will have boiled yuca with like lime juice and lots of crispy garlic. And that's a Cuban thing, but it's a nice, healthy starch. And it's actually one of the superfoods. But when you think of your spice cabinet, I mean, we could, you know, I have a nourishing club coming out in June that I'm going to do a once a month kind of walk everyone through this because it's a big topic. What do you have in your kitchen? What's going to, everyone's going to be different. But when let's just talk about spices for a moment. So whole spices last a year and ground spices last about six months. Now it's going to be like shocking to some people I know, you know, (laughs) oh my gosh. When you smell your spices, you don't want them to smell like an old shag rug. It should make you hungry. You should get excited Mm -hmm. about it. So take a look at your spices. And then when you are now bringing in new spices, can you buy them in smaller amounts? Or can you think about just using them more? And I think that's where more of bravery and courage comes in to 
to say, well, I'm going to try this, you know, this powder that I bought and I'm going to use it, you know? So in bone broth is the most wonderful, like vessel waiting for all these odds and ends, you know, curry powders and spices that you have in your cabinet spices, food is information. Spices are also information. And when you mentioned salt, I also think about salt is information. It's a mineral profile, right? And so different salts have different mineral profiles. So I like to have at least three that I'm rotating. You know, I have three jars of salt. So the Baja Gold from the Sea Cortez has super high mineral content. Real salt is fabulous. Celtic sea salt. So they're all different pieces of information for your body. So, you know, rotate your salts, even rotate your peppercorns. Peppercorns, it's like the most magical world. There are so many types of peppercorns out there. A Pease de Cru in Montreal, a wonderful family-owned business that ships to the United States has just a fun selection of spices, but especially peppercorns. So think about what do you like? You know, do you like Indian food? Do you like Thai food? Because then you want to probably have some spices connected to those ethnic cuisine, you know? And so then I think of herbs. So this time of year, I hope, you know, if you're living in a place that you can have one pot or a big herb garden, do it because it is so rewarding to go out there. And if it's just a pot of rosemary in your kitchen, that is going to bring you joy in the kitchen. So we want to think about building enthusiasm, building confidence. Some, you know, people, we got to take smaller steps. Some people already are like, have the herb garden. Well, great. But some people don't even know which herbs to buy or how to store them. So herbs come in two categories. There's fien herbs, which are the delicate parsley, chervil, chives, cilantro. Those you'd never want to have dried because they don't have that resiny, foresty, like sticky life to them, like thyme, rosemary, sage, marjoram, oregano. Those herbs you can buy dried and they're fantastic, you know, to even grow yourself and, you know, have dry them or buy them already dried. So herbs are wonderful to have around. And the one of the best salad dressings is like some, you know, herbs, whether it's parsley, chive, cilantro, basil, it could all go together with a little bit of tahini and lemon juice. I mean, And that salad dressing now can also become a dip for that salad bar that's in the fridge. And it can also become a sauce for the seared salmon or roast chicken. So, you know, maybe on that batch Sunday, making a couple base dressings and dips, you know, I think every, you know, most salad dressings, that's not a vinaigrette can become some kind of a sauce or a dip and using seeds and nuts. If you're soaking and maybe sprouting them, but you know, it's another big conversation, but adding some nuts to your salad dressings, And then when we say adding nuts, it's not just almonds, it's a variety. So Brazil nuts, you know, beautiful, you know, selenium, you know, we probably all could have a little variety with our nuts. So selenium or so Brazil nuts, hazelnuts, walnuts. And as you have a base salad dressing, you add different nuts, you're going to get different flavors. So it can be kind of simple where, oh, now I have a hazelnut lemon vinaigrette. Oh, now I have a walnut uh, sherry vinegar vinaigrette. It's all with the same kind of recipe, the same formula. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believe that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code 
Cynthia 10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia 10 for 10% off any order. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armra colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armra's colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced. And it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. No, oh, I love that. And your enthusiasm is so, you know, kind of pervasive in your discussion. You kind of light up when you start talking about food, you know, and it's interesting for me because we have been so conditioned as a society that we've been conditioned that food is complicated. Cooking is too hard. The processed food industry wants us to buy their, you know, shortcuts and, you know, there's nothing better than, you know, batch cooking or, you know, roasting a piece of meat or chicken or fish and just using really simple ingredients. And I think that's one of the reasons why, and the pandemic has just kind of magnified this for our family. We actually like eating at home because we can control the ingredients. We can control the quality of what's used. I don't have to worry about the seed oils, which you already alluded to. And for anyone that's listening, if you haven't listened to my podcast with Dr. Kate Shanahan, she's one of the you know big MD researchers who's really drawing a lot of attention to seed oils, how toxic they are, how highly inflammatory they are, rancid, et cetera. And that's soybean, canola, sunflower, safflower, et cetera. And there's so many alternatives, but you really have to educate yourself. And, and I invite everyone to, if you're not already doing this, read your food labels because those seed oils are in nearly everything. And it's really cut down on the amount of processed food we bring into the house. I have teenagers, so we do have some chips and we do have some pretzels, but you source them from higher, you know, better companies that don't use those things. And it's amazing to me, you know, when we go out, it's like my husband now kind of like zeroes in, like if we go to a party and there's a big bag of Doritos, I'm like, there's no judgment, but there's no way in heck I'm touching that. Like, there's just no way it's happening. The other thing that I think is really interesting is if you go to most restaurants, even if you eat out, you can ask what oil is the salad dressing made with, and 99.9% of the time it's a seed oil, or it's, they'll say like an olive oil blend, which is Mm. AKA seed oil. And I've actually recently gone out to lunch with some girlfriends and I brought my own salad dressing that I'd made. um, And I passed it around the table because I just kept saying, and the poor waitress could not have been more gracious. And I just said, I just prefer not consuming those foods because they don't do me any benefits. And so, you know, what are some of the suggestions you make to your clients when, you know, I know we're still kind of emerging from the past 15, 16 months, but what are some of the suggestions you make for your clients if they're eating out or if they're going to a family or friend's house for a meal and they're feeling a little stressed because maybe at home they can control the variables and they can't when they're not in, in the kitchen where they're eating out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just a, first of all, I just love that you're bringing your own olive oil and I want to be allowed to eat with you. I think we'd have so much fun. So when I think of eating out, uh, well, the first thing that I always do, because you're absolutely right, there's really no salad dressing in any restaurant unless you're in like Hearth in New York City. 
and, you know, maybe another handful that I don't know about, but it's pretty much going to, it's too expensive. I mean, let's face it for restaurants to be using a high quality olive oil is going to start at $25, $30 and go up. So you bring your own oil. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think all of a sudden you, I say that out loud and I can feel someone saying, oh gosh, you know, that could be, you know, maybe I'm embarrassed or like I'm with this person and what's my mom going to think? And I have clients that are like that too. Like when I go to my mom's, I can't talk about this stuff because she doesn't understand. And I think the language that's helped me a lot is that, you know, I've cracked my own code. This is my code. There's no judgment, like you said, and uh, this is just what's helping me feel better. And so if you can have that little language too, in case you get into a situation where people are like, oh, she doesn't eat the Doritos, you know, it's like, you know, I'm just, this is just for me. There's no judgment. It's just my code, you know, but when going out, the first thing I say to the waiter is I'll, even though I'm not anymore, but I am allergic to canola oil period, because it's going to be on everything. And so I just want to like make that clear because if you don't say the word allergy, they don't really take it serious. Mm-hmm. And I, it has to be like that way for me. So, and then I order things, you know, I order like a steak or, you know, that has to be good meat, but Honestly, it's really hard to, you know, but you want to order as clean as possible and, you know, order your meat grilled or just cooked flat on the flat top. If they want to use butter, then that would be fine too. So it's either use butter or just cook it dry, put it on some vegetables or salad greens, and then I'll have my own oil. And I always ask for lemons. I also have my own sea salt. Uh, I've been known to even bring hot sauce, you know, depending (laughs) on where we're going. So no problem. And when you're at these events, I had a client recently going to a beautiful, like, you know, birthday, it was either a birthday or, you know, huge, like Latin celebration, like big all out fun festival, like food trucks, all kinds. It was just sounded so amazing. It's like, what am I going to do? And I said, well, think about, you know, what's going to be like, is the cake going to, how far is that going to set you back? Cause she, she wanted to have something, but she just knew it was going to be hard. So we decided that, you know what? Maybe a glass of champagne is going to be that you can kind of nurse for an hour is going to be a lot better than cake or any fried foods, because I consider those oils probably worse than the one glass of bubbles. So, you know, we kind of talked it out and figured out like, how can she go and still, you know, we call it a control burn, you know, so you have something, you know, that your body's going to be able to balance out. But I think those oils and the side effects of all of a sudden introducing gluten, having not had it for months, is going to be a longer healing recovery than say, you know, a glass of bubbles. So that, I mean, that was just one situation, but that's how I'll work with people and kind of talk through it, you know, and help them go in like to these events ready to feel strong. Yeah. It's all about feeling empowered. And I think it's important for people to understand, like I've had people who've been gluten-free for years and they think it's, you know, every once in a while they'll have some gluten. And I just remind them that And I learned this through Dr. Tom O'Brien, that each time you reintroduce gluten, you set off this inflammatory process that can last up to six weeks. So it's really not that benign. What I've started doing is actually taking a supplement with me. So when I eat in restaurants, it's like a gluten dairy arrest. And so, you know, I always say like, even if I explain that I'm gluten and dairy free, you know, you're going to get exposed to some of these things. It's just inevitable unless you're in a kitchen that's hundred percent gluten-free and that's not realistic. So, you know, from my perspective, you know, feeling empowered, you know, I just know that I do specific things when I go out, you know, during the pandemic, when a lot of people were ramping up their drinking, I actually stopped drinking. And the thing that's been really interesting for me is, you know, not having really had much of any alcohol over the last, you know, 15, 16 months you know, when I have consumed it, I felt so poorly that I just decided I was like, you know, I've already done the gluten grains, dairy thing. I'm it's not a big deal if I add in alcohol too. So feeling empowered and feeling comfortable, you know, articulating what works best for you. Like I have one side of my family that thinks I'm absolutely bananas. And so they gently tease me. I don't even pay attention to it anymore. Cause I'm like, listen, this is what works for us. This is what works for me. I don't feel like I have to explain myself anymore, which is a good thing. And for anyone that's listening, if you feel like you have to explain your idiosyncrasies, sometimes just saying like, this is just the way things are. I'm happy, you know, excluding these things from my diet. I don't judge the choices you make, but when you come to work with me is if you're working with me or certainly working with you, we're going to definitely give you the best guidance. And I always say good, better, best. It's always you know, given your circumstances, what's the best decision you can make. And if you're at a picnic where there's like 
I always say gravitate towards the, probably the meat and the vegetables. And you generally will be better off than if you gravitate towards the sweets and the cookies and the alcohol, which will generally, you know, you'll continue that slippery slope down. It can definitely be problematic. I know we talked a lot about nutrition. I'd love for you to kind of touch on some of the lifestyle piece. I know for you that help with your healing, you've touched on some of these, a lot of these things are hermetic stressors. So when you're talking about things that tap you into the parasympathetic, the rest and repose side of your brains, which is so important in our super overstimulated culture, where we're largely kind of, we could be stimulated from the time we get up to the time we go to bed. What are the things that help ramp down the body, help support the body? And we're part of your healing journey. Mm-hmm. Well, I start every day with an affirmation. So it's generally pretty simple and it's the same one. Like today's going to be an amazing day. I say it out loud and I just kick off the day with that. And then I go into five gratitudes and then I do control pauses all still while I might be, my eyes are open or not open, but I'm still in bed. And so I'll do the control pause, Buteco breathing. And I do that three times throughout the day. As soon as I'm up, I think heading outside. And this was, you know, this is all tools that I started long ago, which is light, you know, I think of, okay, the whole conversation of light. So what do I need to add? What do I need to remove? So I needed to add morning sun, evening sunset, catching a few glimpses of that needed to remove the blue light in the house. And so that, you know, light and then air. So the breath work incorporating that throughout the day, I'm a big fan of enemas, I think. And I'm, you know, the gut psychology syndrome, she has some interesting recipes for enemas. I do a basic recipe with baking soda and salt. And then I do a second one right after that with some coffee and kefir or minerals or some oxygen drops, all kinds of things. But my doctor and I joke, she's like, you're going to have to write a recipe book for that. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> it's all oh, good. I mean, I've heard of coffee enemas, but I haven't heard of the others. This is fascinating. So, and then breath. So we talk about that sweating. So I have a sauna space, I'm big into you know, some deep sweats. And then with mindset, you know, just trying it's practice. It's forever, you know, forever a practice. I'm a huge fan of Joe Dispenza's Mm -hmm. courses and just his message about mindset. And it's, I think helped me heal a lot of trauma too. And so air, light, water, all the people I help, they've all start off having toxic water. And then, you know, they say, oh, we have a Brita. Nope. You know, that's sorry. That's crap. I love you, but we've got to get rid of that. And let's get reverse osmosis, remineralized water. And, and maybe you want to have a whole house water, but what you're cooking, drinking and brushing your teeth with needs to be clean water because most city waters, you know, chromium hexavate, are, the arsenic is like through the roof. And if you came over to my house and I said, oh, here's a, here's a glass of water, I just added arsenic and 10 other really harmful chemicals, you would run the other way, but yet people have tolerated this. So we're chasing kale, we're chasing avocados and almonds, but we're still drinking toxic water. So that's one of the first things that we kind of dive into is repairing and fixing the water. And then water then makes me think of, well, baths. And then baths makes me think of EMF exposure and radiation. One of the baths that I like to take is with sea salt and baking soda, one pound of each. It helps, especially if you're just coming off an airplane, helps you kind of get rid of some of the radiation. That's what the research shows. And then in our home environment, a lot of people aren't ready for this, but we take small, you know, tiny decisions change your life. So this is, you know, that's really like my t-shirt is tiny decisions change your life. But when I think of the electromagnetic frequencies and your home environment, which is the place that you can protect We have a zero Wi-Fi home. Everything's hardwired. So the TV, this computer, my cell phone is always Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, cellular off. And when I need to use it, I plug it into, you know, the Ethernet that has the adapter. And those are all the tools that I can help share with people because it's, you know, just tiny little steps. Mm -hmm. You can start by shutting your Wi-Fi off on a timer Mm -hmm. at nighttime so that when you're sleeping, you're protected. And then when you're ready, you can take those next steps to start to wean yourself off of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Often a lot more challenging if there's kids involved, but hey, I think it's cool. And I want to make it even cool for the kids to, you know, raise their standards too. So, you know, it's all those environmental inputs. Uh, I had a client recently who's like, I'm just so overwhelmed with like, I've got a dry brush and I want to drink this and do that. So one of the things uh, that's helpful is I created a list of 25, maybe it's 28 things that I'd like to do, say every day, but it's not going to happen, right? That's my list, my self-care, you know, there's green tea, dry brushing, facials, enema, juve, sauna, walk, breathe, you know, all these things. And it can be overwhelming, but how about just pick five? 
And so as you go throughout your week, you realize that you've kind of covered them all at some point, you know, we don't need to dry brush necessarily every day, but it is nice, you know, but take the pressure off. You know, I think people are sometimes pressured with self-care and the things that they can do, you know, daily. And I mean, that's not helpful, you know, so really reducing stress and the environmental inputs were huge for me. So, you know, it's air, light, water, sound, stress, nourishment, getting rid of the toxins, opening windows in the morning, getting fresh air in all those tiny decisions, you know, it's beautiful and it's just, you know, a journey, you know, it doesn't, you don't transform once, you know, I hope that people will have lots of transformations and that it will be an ongoing, beautiful journey. Yeah. Such an important message. Well, I've so enjoyed our conversation today. Can you let listeners know how to connect with you, how to sign up for your classes? You have an amazing resources on your website with a lot of links to some of the products that you've talked about, the spices and things like that. So how can they connect with you? Thank you. And your website too. I realized we're so aligned. There's so many things. I was like, Oh, it just felt like, you know, it was just so fun to look at your resources too. So seekontos.com is my website. My new e-cookbook spring and summer is there and the nourishing club starts in June. So we'll be live together. Just 25 of us from my kitchen to yours talking about all things nourishment and I'll be cooking live with everyone. And then there's all kinds of fun things included in the club. So ccontos.com and chef coach contos on Instagram and anyone can reach out, you know, if you have a question about how to cook rutabaga or how to like dandelion greens, I know I have a recipe to share. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure. We'll have to have you back. Oh, loved being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.